Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in previously on the origins of Pink Lemonade. Uh, you know, we don't have to do the whole lost voice, but we learned a lot of stuff. Lemonade is an ancient, ancient drink that was originally called Qatar Mazat, which I think is a cooler name than just lemonade. Yep, and it's also fun to, like, mispronounce in 19 different ways. I think you got the spot-on pronunciation, Ben. But here, join us already in progress where you can hear me waffle or flounder or any other euphemism for screwing up uh, pronunciations. You're doing great. Thanks, bud. Clown Pants Lemonade. What are we talking about? It all goes back to a book by a guy named Harvey W. Root, written in 1921. The book has a, a long title, which wasn't unusual for books at that time. The Ways of the Circus Being the Memories and Adventures of George Conklin, Tamer of Lions. So, as you can imagine, Lemonade Story is, is kind of an aside here. That's right. And this guy, uh, George Conklin, Tamer of Lions, uh, as that uh, amazingly um, convoluted book title um, implies, uh, he actually had a brother as well. His brother's name was Pete, and he was sort of like a junior circus guy. Um, he was running the concessions, but also was a tumbler on the side. Uh, and this was in Jerry Mabel's traveling circus. He was a well-known promoter as, at the time as well. And um, so like a tumbler would be sort of like a second-tier act, but a clown Maybe not the same as a lion tamer, but definitely would give you like a bump in pay. You wanted to get clown pay. If you were asked to be a clown, you wouldn't do that for nothing. And um, he was asked to become a clown because he already had the tumbling skills, clearly the comedic timing. Uh, and he was asked to kind of like upgrade his act and, and put on the clown shoes and the clown makeup and the clown tights. Uh, but he wasn't um, offered the corresponding pay. So Pete 
said no, absolutely not. He had he had his dignity, he had his standards, and so he just continued selling his own lemonade as he followed the circus around. Like a scavenger following soldiers at war. And I love the idea of like, I've done the work of a clown. I demand a clown's pay. I demand a clown's <laughs> pay. It's true. I mean, it's hard work. It's, yeah, being a clown, you definitely have to have have some skills. Not just anyone can put on the don the clown makeup. You got to have the chops. So he, so Ben, did you get the, the sense that he was he like an unofficial? Was he just sort of like a hanger on? Yeah, he was going like. Um, it's similar to what we see happen with maybe religious pilgrimages of yesteryear or with traveling armies, there will be people who attach themselves to that large traveling group of people and they can kind of swim in their wake. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's what Pete is doing. He officially leaves the circus, but he doesn't really leave the circus. It's like he, he leaves the circus and walks a couple miles away and then just starts following behind them. And whenever they're in town, he's also in town selling lemonade to people. So he just kind of goes independent and everything's going well until one day he runs out of water at the worst time. There's a line. More and more people are coming to get some of Pete's famous lemonade or whatever he called it. And so he calls on his old clown colleagues. He burst into a tent uh, and he sees his buddy, one of his old clowning friends, wringing out his tights into a bucket of water. Ew. Yeah, and the tights had a cheap dye. Uh, this is just the one version of the story, right? Uh, the tights were cheaply dyed, and so they left the water with a uh, pinkish-red hue. But not that didn't stop Pete, man. He grabbed that clown pants bucket, and he started selling the crowd <clears throat> strawberry lemonade. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like uh, by the time he sweetened the pot of, of, you know, wrung out circus juice. Clowns sweat a lot, you know, I'm just saying, clowns sweat a lot. It's hard work. It's not good. So I'm sorry I had to coin the term wrung out circus juice, but it is what it is. I said what I said, and you can't put it, You can't. I, I won't take it back. Um, but yeah, by the time he sweetened it with sugar, I would presume that he maybe added a little more than usual. Um, but it, it people didn't seem to notice, and it did take on this charming pink hue. Uh, and, it, and not only do they not notice, just like in the other version of the story with the Red Hots, it seemed to sell uh, like gangbusters. Yeah, yeah, apparently sales doubled on the spot, and according to Root, soon no self-respecting circus would be without the novelty of pink lemonade. There are other versions of this theme. There's one that he found uh, the pink tights of a female horse rider and took those and sold the water that she was washing those tights in as fine strawberry lemonade. Uh, And then there's another story that's pretty much the same thing with a different guy, a guy named William Henry Griffith, who was working at one of the largest circuses in the U.S. Uh, Also, in this one, and this is a little bit of a little too final destination for me, uh, there were some pink tights that were blown from a clothesline into this waiting vat of water, which just seems like the odds against that are, are pretty high. And so you hear these variations, but after after all the theories we've given you, which which circus theory 
is most plausible. This is the best title, book title, I think, here, uh, other than A Clown's Pay, which is a historical anthology I'm going to write, a series of linked stories. Anyway, Josh Chetwin wrote a book called How the Hot Dog Got Its Bun, Accidental Discoveries and Unexpected Inspirations That Shape the Way We Eat and Drink. And he has some draft picks, right? He, he decided one is more plausible than the others. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Yeah, Chetwin says in his book, no one really knows which story is accurate. But of course, the timing of Conklin's tale gives that yarn the advantage um, because the uh, cinnamon candy story was in the 1912 edition of The New York Times. And that article was written after a lot. Uh, who was the gentleman involved in that story, the uh, the concessionsman, um, had passed away, and it claims that he invented the drink as a teenager, which would which would make it around 1872 to 1873, 20 years after Conklin's story with the clown tights, the clown pants. So, um, and like we said, Ben, I, I don't feel like, I don't know, it was a novelty. Perhaps the, the cinnamon flavor wouldn't have been as much of a red flag as you or I might think, but it still doesn't quite ring true. Chetwin, in his book, points out that uh, th- both of the stories have, and we've we've mentioned this along the way, have these kind of like eh, incredulous, sort of the stuff of legends kind of like rings to them. Uh, not to say that, that necessarily makes them untrue, but it does feel like a game of historical telephone, both of these stories. The thing, like the details lining up just right to yield the given result 
And the rest was history, as they say. Um, so yeah, both of those stories definitely uh, continue to to be a part of the kind of oral history of Pink Lemonade. But the New York Post, uh, in in their obituary of Allot, um, who you know, who was the the cinnamon candy man, um, had this to say, uh, referencing his particular uh, version of the legend: uh, "Quote the man who invented pink lemonade has crossed the river, where it may be hoped there are no pure food advocates to harass him for the sins committed in his name." And we know that uh, it, it's true. However, this stuff happened. Whether cinnamon, whether uh clown pants because someone didn't get a clown's pay. Uh, however this came about, pink lemonade became incredibly popular. By 1892, we are seeing pink lemonade recipes in print. Uh, but to our earlier point, they are calling for things like half a cup of strawberries, raspberries, cranberry juice, etc., cetera, uh, in place of, you know, clown pants water and cinnamon candies. And now, of course, you see a ton of other variations upon that theme. But the bulk of pink lemonade is just pink in color alone. The tent actually comes from concentrated grape juice or grape extract. And this gets to the science question I was setting up earlier. If the taste of pink lemonade and the taste of regular lemonade, if they're exactly the same, why is pink lemonade still so popular? Uh, the author of this Smithsonian article reached out to Sally Augustine, who is an environmental psychologist focusing on the way things like shape and colors influence our lives. And she said, the color of pink lemonade is relaxing. It's not very saturated. It's relatively bright. Traditional lemonade has uh, no real color. And then this is weird because it takes us to a 2015 study that finds people tend to associate the colors red and pink with sweetness and yellow and green are associated with sourness. So the color of it may affect people's experience tasting it. We, we know this happens. The science is pretty compelling. There also maybe is why blue or purple ketchup never caught on now that I think about it. You guys remember that for a hot minute? There were different colors of ketchup. Oh, God, no. Really? There's a green one, too. Those really nasty looking. Ugh, yeah. That is awful. People like their ketchup red. They, that's a really good point, Ben. But it al it's also interesting. Like, I've always kind of been a fan of, like, oddly colored uh, drinks, like Gatorade and all that. And I don't know why. Like, or, like, you know, bright neon blue popsicles and the like. And I will say, in my very uh, kitchen cabinet right now, I have a thing of powdered crystal light pink lemonade that absolutely tastes exactly the same as the regular yellow lemonade. It's just pink. And I, I don't know why, but I like it. There's something about the pinkness of it that, that, that does it for me. Because they absolutely have raspberry-flavored ones. They have a cranberry one. They have, like, you know, mixes of them. Cran raz, you know, whatever you want. But I, for some reason, uh, am, am gravitating toward the, uh, the pink one. It, it's, it's just this, it's one of my weaknesses, fellas. And so, you know, we have we have one tangent we have to address before we call it a day here, and that is the origin of the phrase, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Apparently, it came about from a 1950 obituary for a man named Marshall Pinckney Wilder. 
Uh, he was an actor, a writer, a humorist. Despite his chronic health problems and medical conditions, the original version of the phrase read this. Of Wilder, they said, he picked up the lemons that fate had sent him and started a lemonade stand. Uh, and people picked up the phrase and started styling on it for a while. You'll still hear it used today, right? But I don't know, not as not as often. You know, it's funny though. Like I, I, I think lemons have a lot of uses, and we did a, I believe we did an episode about how there is this perception that lemons uh, helped London deal with the plague because lemons were sort of an anti-pestilent kind of agent. They would keep those plague rats at bay. Um, and then also, I believe there's something, you know, there's this notion that because they had these vitamins that they would make you, like, healthier or whatever. So lemons have played a really interesting role in history. And I love using the zest of lemons in, in pasta dishes and in cooking and um, a nice squeeze of lemon, you know, onto a dish. Uh, you definitely want to make sure you do the squeeze later in the cooking process or the flavor just kind of gets cooked out of it. But the zest, my friends, that'll uh, that'll get you that lemony flavor. I use it, yeah. I use them, I use them pretty frequently with a lot of the seafood experiments I do. I made a jar of uh, preserved lemons from a oh my Moroccan gosh. recipe. Cool. And that was pretty cool, but it took a while to get through them. Like, you know, that's, it's the thing like when you can vegetables. Anyway, story for another day. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. That's our show. We do so hope you enjoyed it. And shout out to anybody sipping pink lemonade uh, while listening to uh, this bizarre tale. Uh, also, some of us in the crowd may be wondering what's really up with chocolate milk. 
because there are rumors about that stuff too. We'll answer them in a future episode. In the meantime, thanks so much to super producer Casey Pegram. Huge thanks to Alex Williams who composed our him. It's time, what? gentlemen. <laughs> I'm back. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I also watched When Harry Met Sally just before this. I was oh going to okay. say, save, yeah, I, save I, it I, for I, later. I think it's no coincidence that the Quister makes his uh, his return on one of the grossest episodes we've done in recent memory. Mm, what did you talk about? We talked, we talked about, about quiz. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Nice, nice. So uh, I assume then, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister, uh, that the rules of engagement remain the same, you old so-and-so. Oh, as always, my friends, I shall present to you a trio of scenarios, whereupon you will have to guess which one is true, or rather which one I made up since. I, I even forget. It's been so long, I don't even remember my own game anymore. Oh, by the way, welcome to the most cringeworthy segment in all the podcasting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, we're here for it, man. I mean, I guess. Uh, but I got to say, Jonathan, you, you've lost your edge a little bit. I thought you you used to do your scenarios sort of themed around the content of the episode. Is that no longer the case? Oh, no, it's it's totally the case. I just don't know what the hell you guys are recording anymore. It's hard to do the Zoom bombing thing. I don't get to listen in as much. It's a... Uh, it's a lot of me typing in letters and numbers and then just mm -hmm. hitting enter and mm -hmm. hoping that I get... Let me tell you, Daily Zeitgeist does not like me. But now that I managed to be able to actually get into this one, I figured I'd go ahead and do one I've already prepared. And uh, let's just say I choo, choo, choose you. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay, uh, I think I see where you're going with yes. this. You're you're gonna lay out some scenarios. We've got to pick which one uh, you made up, and we've got a time limit. Yes. Uh, I uh, all right. So I I think we can kick the rust off the tires here. Let's get going. You can ask me questions in this one, um, mm -hmm. but uh, you in order to ask me a question, you of course have to preface it with a, a phrase. In this case, it's uh, "Come on, ride the train, a choo choo, <laughs> ride it." And then I will call upon you and you may ask your question. Yeah, you may have guessed what the theme is. I've been very subtle about it. Mm. All right. Here are your three scenarios. Of course, I have put them in order chronological. <clears throat> Something spooky was going down in Erie, Pennsylvania in 1853. The railroad tracks through town kept getting destroyed, except this wasn't a mystery. The town's own mayor called on citizens to tear up the tracks when a railroad company tried to standardize rail gauges across the city. The U.S. government had to send federal officials to Erie to tell them to knock that crap off. Scenario 2. In the 1880s, the Holman Locomotive Company of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, produced a train in which the train's wheels were on top of other wheels, which were on top of other wheels. It was supposedly to be an engineering marvel to facilitate faster speeds. It was, in fact, all part of a scheme to scam investors out of money with no basis in mechanical engineering. It did work, sort of, but was only built for the con. Scenario a three. 
In the 1960s, the M497 Black Beetle experimental train didn't use a steam engine or electricity for locomotion. It ran on jet engines that came from a B-36 bomber. It go fast. Too fast. <laughs> because in 1963, during a test run in, yes, Pennsylvania, the train skipped the tracks, traveled another 200 yards, and came to a grinding halt. Miraculously, the engineers on board only suffered serious, but not critical, injuries. Hmm. A begin. Uh, come on, ride the train. It's train. Yeah, all right. All right, Mr. Bola, that's good enough. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm not going to do the whole song. Uh, but the, <laughs> uh, okay, could you... Could you reiterate some of the key points of scenario one? Scenario one, yes. So there was uh, a move to standardize railroad tracks throughout Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. A railroad company wanted to make all the tracks the same gauge. Got it. And the mayor of the town objected to this and called upon citizens to rip up the tracks, which they did for uh, several months until federal officials said stop. That sounds like the kind of horrible thing people would do. You know, they, they, we fear change. Even if it's something as simple as standardization of railroad gauges. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I, I think that the, the thing is that I think scenario three, it has the ring of truth from my car stuff days, but I just, I don't remember the exact year because, Jonathan, you said 1963, right? I did indeed say 1963, Mr. Boland. I will say that I would not just, I would not just fudge a year. No, we know. We know. We're we're aware of your of your sinister tricks. What about so scenario B, wheels upon wheels? These are like what double decker wheels or like an upper wheel and a lower wheel, like on a roller coaster track? Can you kind of explain? Uh come on and ride that train. It's the choo-choo. Come on, ride it. <laughs> woo woo. Yes, Mr. Brown. Yes, I I, I I get the gist of your question. Uh, yes, if you think of a think of like cogs in clockwork, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have one cog that turns another cog that turns another cog. So you have to think of three wheels because obviously if you have one set of wheels going forward, it's going to make the set of wheels underneath go backward. Then you had a third set of wheels, which would go forward. The claim was that this was to increase speed, but in fact, it was all just, it was just hogwash. It was just made up so that people would spend money on it. Uh, I, the fact that you're explaining this in this level of detail leads me to think it might be B. You think B is the, is the made it up C's? That's, that's what I'm thinking because I know, I don't know the exact timeline, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident about scenario three. Uh, and I, I don't know, man, maybe we're going to end up offending the good people of Erie, Pennsylvania. I mean, all three of these take place in Pennsylvania, so... That's true. That's true. The die is cast. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Noel? You want to you wanna lock it in? or you? Let's you... lock it in for B, baby. All right. Boom. <laughs> Son of a... I win! Locomotive. I win. Oh, the locomotion is sweet this day, my friends. No, B is absolutely true. It was... Option three that was the made em up seas. What? Yes, so there was a train. It was, it did have a B-36 jet engine that made it go fast, but it never jumped the tracks. There was never any accident. Ah. No, instead what happened was they determined that this particular form of locomotion was far too expensive. It made no monetary sense. Mm. It worked, 
And it went pretty fast, but it didn't make any sense from the perspective of an investment. It would have been a waste of money. The first one, the Erie, Pennsylvania, the interesting thing about that was that the reason the mayor called upon citizens to rip up the tracks in what were called the Gage War was because Erie was a stopover point. A train would have to stop and unload, and then everyone would have to get onto a second train to continue their journey because the train could not travel on two different gauge tracks. So Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania's, uh, their, their economy depended upon people stopping. They had people who would unload the trains. They had hotels and restaurants that were all dependent upon this traffic. So it's sort of like a, when Route 66 became obsolete. Hmm. Same sort of ideas yeah. that now there was no reason for people to, they could just go right on through Erie, Pennsylvania. So that was a that was the the story behind that one, and uh, and the other one was in fact just an investment scam. Well, I feel I I, I feel pretty uh pretty down, you guys, because I knew I knew this sort of jet propulsion experimentation existed with locomotives and trains, and I knew the time period sounded about right. I just uh, I guess I unfairly assumed that they would end in a horrific accident, which is, you know, my just probably goes back to my lifelong fear of being attacked by a jet, which is always <laughs> like right around the corner. I live in constant fear of being attacked by jets uh, or corvids. You know, that's sort of my daily, uh, daily paranoia, just walking through life. But thankfully, we don't go outdoors as much as we used to. So but then a jet could crash into my, my house, Donnie Darko style. That oh, yeah, would be cool. Yeah. They're super nimble too. You know, that's what people need to we need to talk more about the jet threat. Uh <laughs> I I completely agree with you, Ben. Let's 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 offline about that and maybe set up a campaign or a, a, a GoFundMe of some kind. I, I'm still stuck on the pain train. <laughs> pain, pain trains train. and automobiles with Jonathan Strickland, mm. aka the Quister. Mm. You got us, man. I'm not even gonna sulk about it. You, that was you really, you really, you really stuck it to us fair and square. I was doing a whole uh, tech stuff about format wars, which is where I came upon the gauge war, and that that just sort of precipitated the whole thing. I was I was definitely the one that very first said uh, that one sounded real. It sounds like the kind of horrible thing people would do when they uh, see a change a coming, uh, and they don't like it. But yeah, you, you well, really capitalized on our uh, our own personal biases as human beings. Which means you'll have to come back on the show uh, so that we can we can yet again expose our our own biases. Although I think we we both agree with each other on jets and the fear of change. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to check the score. Don't tell me, Jonathan. I know. I think you we're know all it. even. I think we're all even. We're it's a dead heat because you you won last time. Ah, uh, so you have to come back. Yes. Uh, and don't be such a stranger. Come back sooner, you know, because it's been, it's been a while. Listen, you're asking me not to be stranger, and that's just that's just a promise I cannot deliver upon. Oh boy. Da 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 da. So uh, with uh, with this in mind, uh, Jonathan Strickland, uh, the Quister, uh, you have won the day, but you have not won the war. Thank you for coming. You will return. In the meantime, where can people learn more about your work and uh, and and your other your other uh, schemes? Yeah, well, uh, you can you can learn about all things technology over at the Tech Stuff podcast. It's a uh, pretty good. We've got about thirteen hundred episodes. So if you don't like the first one, just dig into the archive. And then, of course, you can follow me, John Strickland, over on Twitter. And pretty soon, you'll be able to listen to a totally new podcast that also has me on it coming out in December. So just um, keep your ears peeled 
for that? Is that what people do with the... I don't know. I don't go out anymore. I think he can peel ears or... Uh, I've never understood what eyes peeled means either. So why not just apply it to any anything that you can that one can sense with? Keep your hands peeled. That just sounds like something like a torture situation, um, which is which is appropriate considering who we're talking to right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks as well to uh, let's pick up the credits like this, this whole thing, like we didn't just lose. So thanks also to Casey Pegram. Thanks to uh, Christopher Hasiotis. Uh, just a, he's, he's a real gem. And thanks to Eves Jeffcoat, uh, our peer podcaster on this day in history class. Alex Williams, who composed our theme, my neighbor for his incessant leaf blowing. If I've seemed a little out of it today, it's because this dude has been blowing leaves for like four days straight. How can anyone possibly have that many leaves? I, I was very tempted to like literally just storm outside in a huff and just literally just say, hey, guy, what is everything OK? What's what's going on? And I went through the same thing. I think uh, I asked Casey to cut some of it when I had some very like performatively loud leaf blowers there. But uh, that's that's why I'm in the office today. I do also want to thank whatever genius invented the phrase, a clown's pay. A clown's pay. That's it, man. That's all I've got. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.